welcome to the podcast. Yeah, we can do that. Is this the podcast now? Yeah. Is that what's happening? Yeah. I guess maybe that was the beginning. Whoa. I did From start the moment recording. I said, so. can we start? Mm-hmm. We have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is like an inception thing. That's crazy. To totally um, not something we should have saved for the inception episode we're going to do. <laughs> oh, that is a little far um, out still. This yeah. is a podcast where we go through the history of cinema from Trip to the Moon to Parasite and everything in between except for Woody Allen. Fuck Woody Allen. Uh, my name this week is uh, The Flame That Burns Ever On. You can call me Flame for sure. Sweet. I'm a pear-shaped parabolic graph. Ooh. Oh, intriguing. Um, I'm Hunter. And we are all very tired. We, you know what? We shouldn't be, but we are. I mean, hey, I guess it's after Thanksgiving mm-hmm. when we're yeah. recording this. Um, for the first time, as you know, <laughs> we are constantly live, constantly recording oh, yeah, every true. episode yeah, that you're yeah. listening to as you're listening to them. Except for this episode. This episode is specifically time-locked to right after Thanksgiving. Dang it. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I guess that's what we're going to do then. Oh, yes. Which is going to be nice, because every time we add an episode, it gets harder to manage. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so, we, you know, we've we've done a few little hiatuses, hiatai, after that, <laughs> yeah. you know. We, we, did, we did a couple hiatuses okay. that were totally planned and not just us uh, getting overwhelmed and putting off recording forever. That's okay, though. Sometimes One of them made sense. It. The most recent one was more a result of um, unexplainable pain on my part where I was dying. <laughs> I think yeah. we all just kind of got busy. So. But it's fine Some because of us I, I actually watched the movie this time. Yeah. What? Wild. Well, because yeah. normally I don't yeah. and I have just already seen it. But this time <laughs> oh, I hadn't. Yeah. And so I just did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it feels good to be back. Yeah, I don't think any of us had seen this movie before, right? No. This was new for yeah. all of us, which is which, somewhat unusual, actually. Yeah. It's also yeah. a, a fun time because this is one of those movies I've just seen floating around forever. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, for an indie movie, like fairly high profile. Like my mom knows about this movie. Oh, really? And my mom like doesn't remember some of the Marvel movies. I guess it just came out at the right time. Uh hmm. And so I, I'm actually surprised at the profile of this movie. Like, it's in the Letterbox Top 250. It's one of the most popular movies I've watched on the Criterion channel, according to my Letterbox hmm. metrics. Hmm. I, a bunch of people watch this movie and like it. And I think that's cool. Because the movie's not... This is not a bad movie. Fun fact. I have a, almost an opposite experience where I... I knew nothing about this movie. I like, I must have scrolled past it on all these lists, but I just like didn't really. I don't know. I feel like I should have known something about it, like just gotten a feel for it. And I just was like, yeah, I, I, I got nothing. I don't know what this is. I don't know what I'm going into. But I had a good time. So, to be fair, I was very familiar with the concepts of this movie. Okay. But I knew absolutely nothing about it going in either, gotcha. other than the fact that two of the people I followed watched it and given it negative reviews saying, it is very long and slow and overrated, do not watch. 
Uh, and I was just mm. like, I guess that's a take. I didn't think of it as very slow. Oh, it's... Uh, me. It is... Wish. Um, it's not like a molasses movie. Like, it's not It's not 2021 Dune. It's paced. I... Yeah. Uh, 2021 Dune isn't a molasses movie. I think that <laughs> no. movie is like really well paced. I, that movie moves I thought it was really fun and it was very entertaining and engaging. However, it is very slow. For a I don't, blockbuster, I don't think slow is a bad thing either. Although, These are all movies that we like. <laughs> uh, this so, movie regardless. felt very long to me. Uh, mm. And I. That it probably wasn't aided by the fact that I watched it over three sittings, uh, because I, uh, I was I wasn't in a great place this week either, and I got really really addicted to Cookie Clicker. And sometimes when you're just clicking cookies, you can't just sit there and watch a man search for his lost life through a vast wasteland for two and some change hours. Um, so. Cookie clicker hole is, is an interesting one to be in. It just, it just keeps on digging. Yeah, it, just, uh, it goes for a long time. How far are you? Um, right around uh, a quadrillion cookies. Mm. That's that's my that's where I'm, where I'm at. Not too bad. I got prisms making cookies, man. Hanging out with those grandmas. Yeah. Anyway, the face that you made with yourself, that was really good. I wish we were recording that. <laughs> this is a fun time. Anyway, I watched this movie when I woke up today, just as soon as I woke up. <laughs> nice. And I did not finish it until recently. So that says something about, I guess, how long it is. But I didn't think about it. And I didn't think about it until my iPad died and I had to switch <laughs> over to my laptop. Yeah. Mm. That's okay. Uh, I will say that. You don't notice while you're watching, but the second you stop, you realize how like how, how long. And, and yeah, yeah. When you started watching, yeah, like I just kind of did it while like I watched it while making my bed and like doing my hair and like just generally getting ready, mm-hmm. just kind of bringing it around with me. Mm-hmm. It was delightful. Thanks. Yeah. Nice. nice. Yeah. I mean, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Claire Denis worked as, I think, either an assistant director or a production supervisor on it. Uh, That's wild. It's a fun, interesting thing. It was just, like, characters were really engrossing. And the way that it just, like, sud- like it, it, it just transitions so smoothly from, like, act to act. Um you know, different locations and characters sort of being involved um, that you kind of forget that that was a movie that you would, that like, this is all the same movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it takes a while to figure out what the movie actually is. Like okay. you, st- yet it's like, you're just kind of involved in the mystery still. I, you know? I think it is. It's, it's a mystery and it's a discovery sort of sort of thing which is so so weird because i I started off the movie and i thought it was going to be like a road trip movie like a slow road trip movie Mm -hmm. much like the driving sections of uh stranger than paradise that we watched last 
<laughs> not weak, but you know. A while back, yeah. Yeah. And then it just uh when just when you think it's gonna go into a long driving montage, oh, they uh actually cut forward in time and they just arrive at their destination. You're like, Whoa. Yeah, like I suddenly whole, have no idea what this movie's doing. <laughs> yeah, like you've got the whole bit where like he's got the picture of the plot in the titular town of Paris, Texas. Yeah. And you're like, they're going to go there. They're going to, and they, they never, never go there. <laughs> I really thought that the, the end of the movie would be like him at the lot or something. Yeah. Well, and that's, so it's a very open-ended movie. So mm. he might be going to the lot at the end. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I saw like some, you know, vague description of the movie on the internet being like, you know, they never go there but it's in the movie as a metaphor. And I'm like, I don't think I'm smart enough to get the metaphor. <laughs> but I accept that. I, I don't even know if it's... Because I, it's like, because he talks about it being like, I think that's where I was conceived. I Yeah, I, I'm not sure if... Like, you, I think you could read it as a metaphor. Sure, you yeah. can read all sorts of metaphors into everything and all sorts of yeah. movies. But in a, like, actual textual sense, right. it's... uh. It's a part of like the character and the themes of the movie mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. like it's 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 a theme like that sort of focus on uh parents and like raising and like rediscovering your life right like there's probably some parallel there being like oh it's it's sort of this symbolic place of like going there being attached to that place is like this weird sort of a reconnection of child and parent which is what ends up happening a couple it, of yeah, times the in the movie so. the family whole yeah, in a weird way something like, like it would be in a way if, it, if it worked if they lived there whatever yeah it would be the reuniting of his immediate family but it would also be like in a weird sense a kind of like fulfillment and connection to like his parents mm-hmm. you know yeah, it, it, like it, it becomes this like I don't know ancestral home that like makes them a family. It, but it, it doesn't happen. It's sort of. I I think that's actually the central sort of arc of the movie in my mind, because this movie is a movie about broken families, and the. The whole thing is well. So okay, plot. Mm-hmm. It's. I think I could. I think I could get the entire plot out there in a sentence. Do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> long. Let's seconds. try. It's yeah. There's going to yeah, be a lot of semicolons. Long. It's going to be a fun time. <laughs> okay. Several dependent and independent clauses. A man disappears into the desert, and years later, he is picked up by a medical office who calls his long-lost brother, who comes to pick him up and drive him back to meet his uh, son. There should have been an article in front of son. Uh, And then... The son and him reconnect by going and finding their mother, and after having 
several long, awkward conversations with the mother in a brothel thing. Uh, the mother and son reconnect, and the father drifts off into the night. Yeah. Yay? That is a run-on sentence. <laughs> well, of course it's a run-on sentence. It's... <laughs> but Didn't say it was going to be a good sentence. <laughs> it's. I mean, yeah. If it were, there's like, a way that you could make that one sentence that is better. Oh yeah, yeah, no, there definitely is. Uh, but I'm tired, and today but I also think that that's probably not the point. Is the point is that there's not a massive amount of plot in a fairly massive it's, movie. It's a little bit long. This movie uh, is longer than Citizen Kane. <laughs> It is. Uh, and but it's is, shorter than Dune. And it's, probably shorter than Andre Rublev? I didn't check, but... It's definitely shorter than Andre Rublev. I don't know. Andre Rublev. It's not by much, and Andre Rublev's an epic. Yeah. Paris, Texas is only two hours and 20 minutes. Is it? Is it yeah. only two hours? Yeah, two about hours and 25. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it feels like more than that in, in a way. Um, but either way, what we're saying is that um, that it not you know not a lot happened in movie. I, my brain died when I was gonna say something. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I started doodling on my phone. Oh no! What did you draw? Nothing important. I drew a little man. Oh, it's a good little man, though. That's how it's. He's a to plank be. of wood for a head. <laughs> you cute. I'm sorry. And then Aiden started laughing. It's like you little frou frou boy. It's amusing. <laughs> Stupid little woo woo boy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I would go find the stupid little woo woo boy. Find the woo woo boy. Uh, in the meantime, I ask question. Well, that's good. So it's like he's just like me. He just like me. Just like me for real. I ask question for okay. both. Yes. Does this film belong on a hundred central movie list? Yes. Sure. Why not? I am curious. If this has any crossover with Stranger Than Paradise. Okay, I really wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Because I've heard people say for the longest time, Jim Jarmusch is not that good because he's just a ripoff Vin Vendors. And he made, he just makes the same movies. And so it's not unique. I haven't seen a single... I've seen all the Jarmusch movies that Mm -hmm. there are multiple times. And I Uh don't see that this movie is a Jarmusch movie. It's not. If I just even... I I have only seen a handful of Jarmusch movies. And this is the only... uh, What is it? Wim Wenders. Is it the woo sound? Wim Wenders. I was going to say, is it a woo or a woo? Whatever. I think he's Austrian. That guy. uh, This is the only movie I've seen of his now. But like... Yeah, I get completely different like emotional responses from those both of those movies. They're seeking like, completely different things. Yeah, like, and I the only not... comparison that you could bring is that 
this also is shot by Robbie Mueller, who shoots a lot of Jarmish movies. Mm-hmm. For me, that's the only thing. Although I would say on that light, uh, in that light, if you're talking about whether or not it belongs because we already have an early 80s indie movie that made waves, then like, I guess I see that point. That was but my main point. Okay. I Be- don't think that they do the same thing. They do right? very like, different things as movies. They have very the different energies. The other one is like short, like, you know, little vignettes, and it's like constructed as they had the money, essentially. Whereas this movie's like a big, grand old thing. That is what made indie movies look more like they could be normal movies. Mm-hmm. I, I think you they are I mean? like two sides of the same coin. They're both mm-hmm. American independent features, but the two different types, like the no budget fly by the seat of your pants movies that just work somehow and pick up an audience or the like fairly high budget prestige uh, independent American films, but also they I both, mean, they both this have John. Really seems like it would have inspired the Coen Brothers. They me. both have John mm. Lurie in them. I can True. see a Coen Brothers sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know when Blood Simple came out, but I feel like that might buy from this. I also, for some reason, kept thinking of, and that's going to sound weird. We'll get to this one on the podcast, but No Country for Old Men, mm. which is weird yeah. because that movie's mm. like scary and like dark and things, uh. but this movie's not, hmm. but I, I still got vibes. Interesting. I, I think From there are parts of the energy. 84. Yeah. Uh, this movie came out in 84 too, didn't it? Mm-hmm. So it actually came out the same year as Blood Simple. Gotcha. Okay. So they're just kind of starting at the same time. Although, yeah. I mean, that's their first movie on night. I don't think this is Vim Vendor's first no, movie. No, so. uh, Vim Vendor's made a butt ton of movies. Um, and like there are a bunch of them. I've seen some of his short films before this, hmm. but mostly what I have is a a watch list full of Vim Vendors movies that I have still yet to see, but are like top tier. Like until the end of the world, uh, one of those massive sci-fi drama indie movies that uh. I've been meaning to watch forever and probably never will. Uh, but also Wings of Desire, which is I a movie I'm I'm very much want to see. And I wanted to watch it before this movie. Uh before we did this episode of the podcast, so that I'd have a better sense for Vim Vender's style. And guess what? That didn't happen. That's okay. <laughs> didn't happen. <laughs> Would this have been the kind of movie that like i don't know movie nerds like us would have been like really into when it came out Mm. would this have been like the thing i think for like uh the sort of cinephile crowd because there's in the realm of like movie nerds there are different sort of clicks i would say because you have even today you have your blockbuster nerds you have your classic cinema nerds who like just watch a bunch of orson wells and like (laughs) class 
or, or like the people who are really into like classic Hollywood like movie star drama and everything. Mm. Completely different yeah. group of people. And and then, you know, the this the horror movie weirdos. Oh yeah, horror movie weirdos. And I think you can have some crossover between those things because I am also uh, a pretentious hack and a <laughs> horror movie weirdo. So I think, you know, you can have crossover, but what am I? Uh, the above you are you're you're like the quintessential like indie movie queen like that's the sort of like archetype i see it yeah but i like so many old movies well yeah so you you also have uh pretentious nonsense hack (laughs) uh in you uh we all have it burgeoning within us hunter will get there someday kurosawa i got it a little bit film Just event differently. on campus the other day uh-huh yep so. i feel yeah. like i'm pretentious about different things <laughs> yeah you're pretentious about big robot suits yeah yeah you're you're like the really fun uh, film essayists on YouTube who are just like, but what if we liked movies? Like, that's your energy. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I was like saying What that if to, they were fun and I, if they weren't, we didn't really talk right. about them. I, know, I, like, I think I said that something about that to Keely yesterday. Like, after I had put up my little review of Bride of Frankenstein or something, she's like, wow, was so like, oh, you already wrote something like that fast or that short? <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know. I just like had a good time with it. Like I don't have complex opinions on most movies. I I just am like, yeah, I liked that. That was good. Like you know, I've written in some of my reviews lately. I'm just like, I don't know. It made me smile a lot, and like hmm. that is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's it. <laughs> I like that. This movie um, is the kind of thing that like I don't know reminds me of like. I think this puts what I like about film like in in its right place. Like mm-hmm. I don't think I want movies to be like I don't know, my gospel. Like I don't think that movies need to like teach me how to live mm-hmm. even though I enjoy them talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy the different perspectives. Ultimately, I think I just want a movie to, like, yeah, I just want the movie to give me a certain perspective or lens Mm. or, I don't know, something Mm. that maybe I'm not familiar with or else something that I'm very familiar with, like a mirror. Mm -hmm. Um, And as long as... There's something that I can choose to take or not take from it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm good. Yeah, I could tell immediately after watching this movie. I'm like, oh, you're going to like it. It is exactly the sort of movie that you tend to like. The expansive, in my top 10. introspective character study yeah. uh, sort of thing. That also... Uh, is one of the movies that I actually tend to really like too, which are uh, really pretty movies that find ways to do like really cool 
uh, unexpected things with shooting and lighting. I loved, loved the in like the diegetic monochromatic lighting schemes that were used at several points in the movie, mm-hmm. like in the doc- doctor's office at the open that just yeah. bathed in this like sickly green. Yeah. That just co- it's That's all green, uh, and they it's just it's a stylistic thing that every so often they find an in-universe reason to do something really creative with lighting. And I think that works so... It just hits so much harder than, uh, like, a, uh, a a movie that just... I, like, I think it hits harder than something like Suspiria, which just has really inventive, creative uh, lighting and weirdness to it. That, but it's yeah. so detached from reality that it just kind of washes over you and overwhelms you instead of uh, this pointed sort of use of it that just... Uh, yeah, like I think this is the opposite you. of a Refn, like a Nicholas... Windus Refn, Refn, that was the person I was going to mention as someone I don't like who does this thing. Ah, yeah, it doesn't just need to be like, wow lots of dramatic lights in the way that we decided to shoot this look at all the bright neon colors and that's it and it doesn't make sense (laughs) i appreciate the look of that when it makes a bit more sense within the story like in 2049 when like he's bathed in light because of like the sign that he's in front of oh yeah like that that's great yeah but the way that the lighting in this movie works works so much better for me like in the like mirrored room yes mm-hmm. which is one of his face th- is like superimposed over her face oh no oh no so you know well like, it, except just... they figure out ways to do fun experimental looking things in just a, a place where you can f- kind of under expect that uh that that i mm-hmm. My brain just turned off. <laughs> that hasn't happened to me in a while. The sound of the CRT turning off. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I don't. I really like the scene at the end with the glass, and uh, I love that when you cut in like the first time he meets her, you only see it from his perspective. And the second time you keep cutting into the room and you can see that like the wall she's talking to is completely unfinished and you can like mm-hmm. see the insulation and you can half, you can, yeah. because it's like a one way mirror, those things aren't perfect. And so you can kind of see through, but you can't see his face. You can only kind of see his hand mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. And, and so that then and then you have that that fantastic moment where she like moves so close to the glass that the the light completely like blocks it out and you just see his face reflected in it because when you look at a regular piece of glass if there is uh enough darkness like in that s- specific area you can just see a reflection and it it just works it's completely in universe reason to do something really cool visually yeah. And it just hits so, so hard. Mm-hmm. Also, I love that you can instantly tell that it's a Robbie Mueller film from the first shot. <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. something like Down by Law, where you have that, like, I mean, that's my favorite shot, maybe in all of cinema. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I show that one to people just like randomly. I've pretty, I'm pretty sure I've done <laughs> that to you multiple times. Mm-hmm. 
um where it's just like on the road like filmed out the window on all the like the cars in the streets and whatever and mm-hmm. nolans um <laughs> here you get the same thing but from the air mm. and then it's like a perspective shot from a hawk hmm. yeah and it's like i love when they reveal the perspective shots in this movie but like that's like the most like robbie mueller shot ever mm-hmm. and i i just love it i love the way that he shoots everything and just finds creative angles that aren't like it doesn't draw too much attention to itself more than it just like is pretty in purpose of the movie mm-hmm. and I, I love that so much and that's that's something that i feel like i miss in a lot of more modern movies uh even like indie movies even like uh like most american films that i wind up watching in theaters now uh i just miss that because if we now understand film language so well there are so many movies that just you watch them and you don't even like notice anything at this point because the the styles and the patterns of the shots of the edits of the colors of everything is is so similar to everything that we've seen before mm-hmm. there isn't like that much breaking of new ground in just casual places whereas like movie blockbuster movies in like the 80s were doing that because the blockbuster was just being born Mm -hmm. so many of those tropes had yet to become really tropes and Mm -hmm. even okay so ridley scott released two movies this year and i am annoyed a bit (laughs) because of those two both two movies I I can't really find any technical problems with the way they're shot. They're technically incredibly well executed. And it's it's impressive, I guess, that they're able to make something that, you know, technically precise. But they are so, so, just on a technical level, just nothing to me. Like, they do not mean anything to me. I don't feel anything from just the the shots that are happening because it all feels so ingrained with just the meme body of movie of cinema of everything it just ah yeah that's why i really like for example like sofia coppola movies because i feel like a lot of times she does things with that normal cinematic language you'd expect but just makes it off like it's just off for some reason I think, that's, and then you uh, end up like yeah. paying more attention to it. A, a a bunch of her movies are just really weird, and they didn't really find an audience. Like the Bling Ring, I have so much respect for the Bling yeah. Ring. Nobody respects the Bling Ring because it's a weird movie, but it it does a bunch of just weird, interesting things. Like I find that movie way more interesting than a bunch of other movies that I'd. I probably had more fun watching like, Oh, I had fun watching the new James Gunn suicide squad movie, but I don't think about it every week, you know, but I I think about it existed until just now. (laughs) Yeah, no, it, it, there's just, it's, there's so little. And so 
I, I always have more respect for something that like tries and fails uh, than something that just kind of goes and and works yeah. but doesn't mean anything outside of that. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, that's that's a good way to stop a conversation. Have a long sorry. monologue. I'm sorry. Um, no, that no, I, that wasn't intentional. I just like <laughs> I can't stop them. They're like, oh, here for some reason. Oh. <laughs> I don't have a lot of interest in saying like, um, like how to make a film. What is better like what Mm. you know style or technique or intent that an artist makes is more valid or interesting than the other ones but Mm. like i don't know i think i just appreciate things in general a little bit more when they're out of the norm Mm. in that way when they're not just trying to use the standard language Mm -hmm. but there isn't anything inherently wrong with it because like you can use the language in a really good way Mm-hmm. I, I like, think there are Edgar Wright that work. essentially does the most precise and perfect and cleaned up and polished um, version of the standard language, in my opinion. Or or even just like <sighs> random out there like like well like Christopher McQuarrie movies like like the new Mission Impossible like it's a standard language movie for the most part, but it it just does it in a well except i think way. both of those movies work because they're they're able they play with the tropes they use the tropes they reference a lot of things they aren't technically like groundbreaking or original in a lot of senses but i they the filmmakers like seem to understand as least as i'm watching them that these are things that audiences have seen before and so they do things to on like a moment to moment basis when you're watching it to break you out of that like just passive uh movie zone where you're just kind of like zoning out and movies happening Mm -hmm. and it just it, it, that's why those movies sort of work. Like, I, there are a bunch of movies that come out each year that do legitimately get to me, but I am just overwhelmed by the number of movies that even the ones I like that just that just don't quite get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. I don't know. I don't know. But movies Paris, are Texas fun. This is a good movie. Movies are fun mm-hmm. sometimes. Sometimes you have fun with movie, and sometimes, sometimes Hunter saves the podcast when we have fallen down into a pretentious film hole that no one would <laughs> you, ever want to listen to. You silly gooses. I guess my point is just that I like movies, and I like watching them, and when a controversial take, stand out, it's good. What's your controversial no, take? No, that's a controversial take. Liking movies? You freaking weirdo. No, you have to hate movies. That's why you watch them. <laughs> No, that's good. Yeah, movie's good. I think this movie is nice. It's It's got some things in it that I like, and it's got some things that I'm kind of neutral on, and that's how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. 
It made me cry a lot. Yeah. I think it's in like my top. It might be in my top like six that we've covered so far. Mm-hmm. That means it's number six. it's above cleo i can check i just always feel like if it's if if you pick a more arbitrary number that's not like a factor of 10 it's just like it's that one (laughs) it's it's, It's definitely in my top uh, 17 yeah it's like which one is it it's currently your number five it beat out passion (laughs) of joan of arc Nice. Oh, it did? Dang. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. I liked it. It. I don't know how I feel about it all. Um, And I didn't feel too much need or desire to say something about it, like about its themes, or I didn't really feel like I needed to write an essay on it like I do with a lot of movies that I've liked mm. so far mm-hmm. here. It was just kind of one that was like, I think there's a mood where this is the perfect movie to watch. I think that's I think that's right. Yeah. You know? And I think there are people that I could show this movie to when the time came that that was the mood or whatever and it would mm-hmm. be perfect. Yeah. And I just really I don't know. I appreciated that. I had a really good time. It definitely made today more warm um that's good and so for that five stars yeah (laughs) do you guys have any thoughts at this point are we at final thoughts we're probably at final thoughts yeah i I mean maybe do you have any final thoughts i don't know i'm trying to think just like i don't know it wasn't exactly my kind of movie. I did get a pretty good vibe from it, though. It's pretty solid. I like um, warm. Uh, I like the first half of the movie more, hmm. I guess. Yeah, I think that's true. And kind of going a little bit into the second half. And the second half is pretty much the entire part that's focused on uh, finding wife slash mom. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like reconnecting with her, but like I don't know. As I said directly in my review on Letterbox, like I don't know. I like the uh, dad reconnecting with son parts of the movie more than I like the yeah, those are really man cute. reconnecting with uh, wife parts mm. of the movie. I guess. I mean, my favorite reconnection was definitely um. The one at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, I, I don't know. Mm. I guess there's not really yeah. any need for not spoiling. Um, just just sure. when 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 Jane Hunter yeah. mm-hmm. meet and the way that he hugs her mm-hmm. and the way that she looks all scared. It definitely had a... There were lots of feels there. Mm-hmm. Um, and also... The way that Hunter is as a character where he's a kid in a way that kids aren't normally depicted, but in a way that feels accurate to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's a lot of emotional maturity that kids can have. Mm-hmm. 
and there's a lot that they take on silently that can easily be ignored. Mm. Like, the degree to which he as a kid has taken on everything that he's experienced before, but is also, like, totally taking in the emotions of his parents Mm. and responding there in a way that, like, a kid shouldn't have to do but that a kid can do mm-hmm. and that in their minds they're like not really thinking or like Travis isn't particularly thinking about like what his kid might be feeling emotionally because it's like it's just a kid yeah I guess yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but he's like really soaking up all of that and I think that that performance is incredible. Yeah. Um, it's good. But also just like, yeah, man, like, sometimes you, you put a kid in a situation like that that's as confusing and turbulent and everything, mm-hmm. and that kid takes it on and can respond internally to that. Um, and for some reason, that was very moving to me. Mm-hmm. No particular reason. It just did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm curious if that's like a theme in the rest of Fender's movies. Like, does he have a more um, honest or accurate depiction of children? To the best of my knowledge, he doesn't have that many movies focused on children, if any, outside of this. This is the movie I'm most familiar with of his outside of this one is Wings of Desire, which is about uh, an angel discovering the joy of mortality um, through a relationship with an acrobat. Um, Yeah, I think I want to watch more of his movies. Yeah, no, I think I think you'd like him. He's he's kind of a decent director sometimes. Yeah. so the idea seems... that he is like the main inspiration for Jarmusch is fascinating. If that's true, which I don't know that it is, but that they were close friends, that they worked around the same time, and that a lot of what he did apparently came from Fenders. Because there's not a lot of comedic elements to to Fenders. They... I... I think it's the sort of thing where something can inspire someone in specific ways where they take like, you know, specific things out of it. I'm thinking of like Michael Bay's favorite movie being West Side Story, where you would never expect it. But when you like watch it and you kind of think about it, you can see elements. I can see elements. I can see elements in how he focuses more on mundane human interactions and giving characters time to to breathe and not feeling the need to like make everyone sort of explain themselves mm-hmm. and just letting things be mysterious and yeah. forgotten somebody else would have made this movie like a uh, very aggressive tearjerker about like <laughs> tra- Travis going through all of these struggles of like becoming a person again. You know what I mean? Uh, 
and like I, I don't know. I I well I think the thing like that like I appreciate the most about this movie is the fact that it didn't go for that that sappy journey where it's mm-hmm. someone like putting back together their life and getting everything in order. Instead, it's the story of someone realizing like forgetting their life, trying to rebuild it and realizing that it fell apart for kind of a reason and that it can't become what it once was and it probably shouldn't. Yeah. It just really wouldn't be healthy, especially as he tells that story at the end. And you yeah. Like, more, you're like that is a kind of like, no. the, the, when you <laughs> finally figure out what, what happened between them, it <laughs> completely <laughs> recontextualizes the movie yeah. and it makes everything make a lot more sense because you're like, Oh, I can, I can actually sort of see where he his mind was but also he was so terrible so terrible and you like i never really lost empathy for him uh but i did completely switch to the opinion that yes his his stated goals of reconnecting with his son and wife probably shouldn't happen like he is not uh in a health he's not healthy enough to be able to to make that work and not be like detrimental to more there's just there's no way to go back to a rose tinted version of what was when yeah it was really there and also like there is some kinds of trauma that you can inflict upon a person that like you can't skip over maybe like, you, you can't just make that go away like that's sort of attached yeah. to you and like the the story that the whole thing that gets the movie it's main namesake paris texas like that romanticization of a place like paris uh you know it might just be a random city in texas and a vacant lot that now just everything that was there is, is gone and you can't go back. Mm. Right? No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. Burn my brain. Are I'm we done with this podcast? I thought that uh, was really good. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. We can end it on a high note. High note. How about that? <laughs> That's the highest well, note I have. I mean, so we have a tradition where Hunter uh, scrambles to find a quote um, to close out the podcast. Man. Um. <laughs> I uh, I'm not scrambling anymore. I've, do, 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 I'm past do, the need do, do. for scrambling. But we can like just uh, kind of kill some time with some self promo uh, while waiting for uh, the the quote to quote, manifest itself. Quote is: Everyone drives, no one walks. That's it. That's the end. That's the end of the podcast. I like that. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's the end. Low effort. You can visit us, probably find us on the different social medias. Probably not too hard to find. Like, share, and subscribe. Do things. Leave a comment. A review. That would be really nice. Send us dead socks and hungry squirrels. Whoa. And send us some hate emails or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Cool. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye